This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey everyone, good morning. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode 165. And I am joined uh, by a really good friend of mine, Eric McGuire. Eric, let me hear that voice. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I love that deep, deep, manly voice. Okay, we're going to talk about something that uh, we, we, if you don't have a Red Bull in front of you or coffee or something, you probably uh, need to get some because it's going to, it might be a topic that may not be too intriguing to you, but by the time we're done, you're going to definitely want to learn more about it. And that is the Federal Reserve and what's going on this week with uh, Janet Yellen. I don't know if she's a Mrs. or a Miss. Probably a misses. Who knows? Anyway, let's uh, before we get to that, let's uh, let's talk about the, the Cashflow Wealth Summit mini summit that is on real estate investing. So, uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you know that we have uh, done the, the Cashflow Wealth Summit, our annual summit, for a couple years now. But we have decided, based on some demand from listeners, to do a mini one solely focused on real estate investment. And the re- one of the, you know kind of the the side reasons why I want to do this is because. I look at what's going on in the real estate market, and I see just so many signals of things just not making sense. Yep. And it's anywhere from analyzing properties that clients own, where you run a pro forma and it's like a one or two percent interest, uh, you know, net return. You you look at just the the, the lack of kind of, kind of common sense when buying, yep. and and so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good summit because uh, Jason Hartman's gonna be on there. We're gonna kind of go through his experience through like 2006, 2007, what signs he saw, and then what happened during 2008 and 2009 with a lot of the you know properties he owned, uh, and then I'll kind of chime in with him. We're gonna do kind of a joint a joint presentation there, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know what are some similarities between that those times and today. Yeah. So that's gonna be a good presentation. Plus we have uh, Tom Wheelwright. He has a really really cool. Actually, I don't even think I can announce it yet, but he has something cool he's going to announce <laughs> in the next uh, uh, next couple of weeks. But we're gonna be uh, talking about that. Uh, so again, the uh, the summit is uh, end of October. You can go to uh, cashflowwealthsummit.com, and there you can register for free. And we'll keep in touch with you, giving you announcements, giving you a uh, heads up on times and the other speakers, and so forth. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, that's and, uh, awesome. I've had a ton of clients ask, you know, the value they've gotten from the previous ones we've done. Would we do them more often? So yeah, I think we, there's it, probably a lot of people gonna be really excited yeah, for this. Yeah, it, it's a you know it's it's one of those things where it's not you know incredibly easy to put those things together, but you know, it's uh, we're definitely going to try to to do them more frequently. So this one should uh, this one should be good. So again, cashflowwealthsummit.com, you can register there, and uh, I believe you also can access the previous two years of summit videos. So if uh, yeah, if you have not heard about it before, this is the first time you're listening. Yep. Definitely go there. It's a great uh, great resource. Also, um, our website paradigmlife.net, we have uh, some good resources there. We've made some uh, updates recently, so make sure you go check that out. We have a free e-learning program called Infinite 101 that you can uh, you can register for. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about what's going on this week with the Federal Reserve. Now, before you turn off your podcast, you <laughs> got to realize that everybody is affected by this. Okay, whether you have money in the market, mother money in real estate, whether you're employed by uh, a farmer, employed by IBM, or employed doesn't matter. Everybody, I think, th- this is one of those things that happens, and the monetary policy. Uh, of the United States literally affects everything. Yeah, and absolutely. if individuals, I think, knew more of just the it's the ripple effect associated with these decisions, they would pay more attention. Yeah. So we're going to try to do our best today to really talk about what Janet Yellen is going to be doing this week as a result of the uh, uh, the FOMC, Federal Open Market 
uh, commission and and really look at why that decision is important not just the decision itself but oftentimes the language yeah and i think that's going to be you know it's going to be extremely vital really for what's going to happen with the election with the end of president obama's uh two you know uh, two terms so it's going to be yeah it's going to be awesome and i think that it's really going to tell us what's going to happen and the reason why i say it's going to be awesome because again it just kind of illustrates what we've been talking about for years anyway and you and i are going to go through and talk about some practical things that you could do uh, to prepare for this and so I think you're going to get a kick out of it. So anything you yeah. want to chime in, anything you want to no, I just know, add that learn through the conversation. You know, before we even started recording, we were having the discussion that you know the fe- it's a difficult concept to understand, and then I think the experts try to make it even more difficult because that's their job too. Yep. And so we're going to try to go the opposite approach and keep it very simple because it's such an important concept to understand that if you're missing it and don't take the time to learn it, it affects just like you mentioned everything in your life. Yep. And so we're going to try to break it down into something that you can know what. What do you push for that's good? What do you say bad? You know, when you're with your friends, you know, you'll know the decisions, you know, what to talk about. Yeah. Well, and and you, on your terms, not on, we're not trying to write a scholarly paper about it. We're trying to educate you to be able to be informative. And I think that's what's fascinating about our, our society today is you look at just how important context is because we're growing so quickly, we're yeah. evolving so quickly. And I, I've told a story, I told a story a couple of weeks ago when um, I was at an event and I had a, you know, really cool conversation with these uh, two, two people that work for Google. And we were... You know, we were talking about, you know, just some of the innovation. There's some things they can't talk about. Yeah. But we got to this point where they were trying to explain something to me, and I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> like, I had no, I was like, well, what's that? And he's like, well, it's this. I'm like, well, what's that? Yeah. And so it's really, you know, the context is so important because if you do start talking at a, a level where the context isn't there, nobody's going to get anything out of it. So we're going to yeah. try to keep it at the layperson level. I mean, you sent some articles over that I printed out, and I, there's a couple paragraphs in them. I read them twice just to see. You know, what are they even trying to say there? Because they run on on their sentences. They use a bunch of words that we don't commonly use. And you realize that, you know, they're talking over people where that's not always productive. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So so the the meeting that's going to take place this week. So what's going to why do they have these meetings? Right. So they have there's different board. There's different governors that that are on top of different, you know, Federal Reserve banks throughout the country. And, you know, they're in Jackson Hole. They were in Jackson Hole and they met there and really discussing, okay, what's going on in not just the U.S. economy, but the world economy. Okay. Because everything right now is is more connected than it has ever been. And so you look at, you know, really the the, the Brexit idea. I'm sure that that was a topic of conversation. Uh, It was, you know, the looking at trade imbalances, looking at, you know, the amount of debt the United States has, looking at unemployment uh, and employment, looking at wages. I mean, they look at all sorts of different factors. And what is their objective? What are they what are they trying to do? They're, you know, basically trying to establish what should be the federal interest rate that they charge. Yep. And so why, you know, what so the the interest rate that's being set, like why what does that have to do with with anything? And I and I think that's probably what people are, are yeah. always asking. It's like, okay, well, there's this interest rate, but what does that mean? Right. Yeah. So you look at, you know, the the interest rate that they're talking about is the discount rates, really the the interest rate that is that's basically the Federal Reserve can, you know, can can lend to to banks. Yeah. But but it's it's more than that because it's the it's the most significant signal that exists as far as not just like I said before, not just the US economy, but the world economy. Yep. Now, what is the Fed's policy? So the Fed, they're they're trying to, and again, this wasn't their intended purpose yeah. way back in you know 100, 100 plus years ago, right? Their intended purpose was you know really to be the lender of last resort. 
Yeah. They've become this this body that is essentially pulling levers, you know, putting money here, putting money there, lending money here, you know, this interest rate, that interest rate, and they're trying to create stimulus so that the economy grows. Yeah. Okay. But what's wrong? What's wrong with that? Why? Why? You know, is that because there's obviously been lots of unintended consequences. But why? Why do they want to do that? Why do they think they can control that with an interest rate? Yeah. And the issue, what you're kind of talking about, is they the intent or what they said the intent was, was they look at it and if they feel like the economy is slowing down, they would lower an interest rate that they loan money out to banks to, mm-hmm. which would result in the banks lowering the rate that they loan it to us, mm-hmm. and that would incentivize us to take loans and buy things. Yep. Hopefully, stimulating the economy. Yep. And it arguably worked or didn't work for so long. Now the problem is, is that's happened for so long that we've artificially gotten that so low, it can't really go lower. And now their fear is if they raise it higher, it will hurt an already slow economy. Yeah. So let's talk about those those okay. couple things. Great points. So you look at really an interest rate and it's to create a certain behavior, yep. right? Because they are, they're wanting to do what's called, uh, they create aggregate demand. And aggregate demand, it's a fancy way of saying they want people to buy stuff, yep. right? They want them to go on vacation. They want them to invest in machinery. They want them to, you know, they uh, want them to buy a car. They want them to go to school. They want them, you know, because so, basically that there creates demand for things. And that's yep. how money kind of flows through the economy. And you see it in advertising all the time. I mean, especially the mortgage market. Yeah. You'll see, I mean, every flyer, every billboard, I mean, just watch on the way home from work today or wherever you drive, yep. you'll see billboards, rates historically low, take advantage of it now, refinance your house. I mean, they're they're saying those words trying to get you to borrow money. Yeah. And looking, looking at, again, the reason to have high interest rates, right, which will curb inflation, okay, is because they want, they don't want people to spend. They're spending yep. too much and they want them to put money in the bank. But here's the conundrum. Right? Is is their policy working? Are people out there spending tons of money? No. No. Right? And so that's the that's the irony is that their narrative hasn't changed. Yeah. Okay. But yet the actual behavior has. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting that we've talked about this article uh, before, but uh, and it was done by Robert Wenzel, uh, who runs the Economic Policy Journal. This was years ago, but he he you know he had this interaction with the Federal Reserve, asking them in a nutshell, like if if human behavior is irrational, right? Yeah. We do all sorts of random, crazy, stupid things, but yet you're trying to make decisions based on a certain human behavior. Yeah. What if it's different? What are you going to do? Are you going to make changes? And they haven't. And that's why they've continued to push the agenda, push the agenda. And really, in the end, who's who's winning, yeah. right? And that's, again, that's another kind of another conversation for, you know, for a, a different, different episode. I but, love that you talk about, though, like the human behavior part, because Assuming the best of the Federal Reserve, which we can debate that as well, but even if the their intentions were pure, it's not going to work. Yeah. But then when you bring in, you know, corruption or any other, just what they can do with it, it's so private, and we don't really know what they do on the back end. No. And the, their meetings aren't public. We have no idea. There's no audit of them. Yep. So even on the best scenario, though, if we knew all that information, human behavior cannot be predicted. No. And so. Either way you want to slice it, it's there's a danger there. And I think the thing that's really kicking them right now, and this is, you know, I brought this topic up uh, before, but it's it's really you have this this other kind of societal narrative that is 
trying to de- try to push prices down. Yeah. Right. It's trying to make healthcare less expensive. It's trying to make a computer technology. It's trying to make uh, you know even food yeah. uh, less less and less and less expensive. And that's the nature of technology. Is it's yeah. very and def- capitalism. deflationary. It's the nature of capitalism, right? Yeah. It's to get more with less. If I can make something cheaper than you do and yeah. provide it for there, there's value, and I should succeed at that. Yeah. But yet at the same time, yep. that is the opposite of this of what they're trying to do because they want two to three percent growth over and over and over because it's predictable it helps people make decisions yeah right and they want okay well if i make a decision now i want to you know make sure that you know the price of this or that is that way in the future right so it's it's really looking at what they're trying to do and it i guess it's logical but the signs are all around them that it's not it's not working yeah right and they've tried everything they've tried qes and they try to buy bonds i mean right now i can't remember the the percentage but it's like the bond. The, well, the bond market is like I think the U.S. bond market is like is like thirty seven, thirty eight trillion. I mean, it's huge. It's just yeah. a massive, massive market, and nobody's buying long term. No, long term, right? The government or the Federal Reserve is the one that's buying it all yeah. out of out of nothing. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just fascinating to me. Just like those signals, if people really understood what it meant, yeah. right? I think people would be pretty pretty upset. But yeah, I think again because of really the lack of context, the lack of understanding, they just don't know. They don't know uh, what 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 it is or yeah. what to do. And I think one thing we kind of talked about how it may affect them for getting a car loan or a home loan, but let's talk maybe about small business. And one of the articles you sent talked about how in the U.S. there's 26 million registered businesses, but really only about six million active. And then it said that of those six million, 80 percent of them have fewer than five employees, so they're small business. So, yeah. um, two, 4.8 million small businesses in the U.S. Yep. And the article talked about how they're sitting on money. And so it's businesses that say we're optimistic about what the product that we provide. We're optimistic that we could sell it, but we're not going to put our neck out there because we have no idea what's happening with the Fed and with that. Well, and that is another, that's again, one of these unintended consequences, right? Is you push all sorts of money into the economy and give people credit and you give them money in the bank, but yet... When it comes to making a decision, which is to grow the economy, which means they invest, yeah. right, or spend, they're only going to do it if they think they're going to turn a profit. And if the economy is a wreck and they don't know what the future is going to hold, I mean, right now, I mean, even with our with, at, at at with our business, it's like they're messing with what's considered a full time employee and what's not. How yeah. do you give benefits here or there? So there's so much like uncertainty that if you make a decision now, okay, if everything was the same. Then there wouldn't, you know, you would be able to make an educated guess yeah. as if you're going, you know, d- relative to making a, a profit, right? Being, yeah. being profitable. So your point but, being is that they're not nervous that they can make a profit because of their business. They're nervous because of the external factors of the government that they don't they don't have control over. Exactly right. And, and so it's, it's, all, and it's it's not just one specific yeah. thing. It's multi, It's multiple things. That uncertainty basically causes people to do nothing. Yeah. And right? if those businesses hired one or two people, that's five to ten million jobs yeah. created. Yeah. That they are willing to do if they had the certainty of this. Yeah, so let's go on that path a little bit yeah. because that's one of the topics I wanted to discuss. Because as I said in the beginning, most people they look at okay, well, it's the Federal Reserve and it's banking and it's interest rates and it's like, well, I don't have a credit card or my home's paid off or I have a low interest rate in my home or you know my I don't have any debt or X X X Y Z A B C whatever yeah. whatever it is. But looking at 
again, the the most significant signal of the economy, what that does, it affects everybody. Yes. Regardless of where you have your money, regardless of your profession, regardless of your employment, it, it will it will affect you. Yeah. Okay. It'll affect where you go out to eat. It'll affect where you get your groceries. It'll affect the car that you buy, the gasoline. It, it affects everything. Yeah. Right. And so I think, you know, this is just an example where a small business, it, you know, the average small business employs five people, you said. Okay. Well, those five people are probably not paying attention to what Janet Yellen is going to say no. you know, t- today and tomorrow, right? They're gonna they're gonna look at well, do I have a paycheck, okay? yeah. or do you know do I am I putting money in my my four hundred one k or in the market, right? They they look at that, but they don't see the correlation. Yeah. But looking at the reason why they have a job, it's because their business owner can be profitable, yeah. right? But what could monetary policy cause for the business owner, or what other government regulation could cause for the business owner? It could yeah. say, okay, now you have to, you know, you. I mean, this is just you know an arbitrary comment, but you can say, well, uh, now you know you have to provide uh, full benefits, and you have to provide a pension, and you have to provide all these things to the five employees, and it makes the company unprofitable. What's yeah. going to happen? Companies go out of business, yeah. and now, you know, they the the individual thinks, well, it was the Federal Reserve's, or they think it was an employer's fault. Yeah. But in the end, it was really caused by the initiative set by the Federal Reserve. So anyway, yeah. there's there's so many different layers of it, but in pretty much every single circumstance, you are you, your community, society in general, the world internationally yeah. is is affected by this this decision and what the federal reserve is actually trying to do because they're the ones again they're throwing stones in the water and those ripple effects are rippling all over the place so yeah. it's just an interesting it's an interesting dynamic that that you know even with a small business it hits so close so close to home yeah all right so what else so maybe talk about um let's talk about uh, real estate right what what does this do well maybe real estate and uh, and the student like student loan the student loan crisis why why is it important uh, you know for students that are in school that have debt that are yeah. paying tuitions why is it important for them what do you think what do you think about that I mean just any loan market so yeah we've already talked about you know business loans personal loans and then student loans and what was the other one you mentioned student loans in real estate and real estate yep um, I mean, that's the price of going to college is your student loan. And so if they mess with that, and that's where we, you know, you you go to college and usually they'll give you some benefit as you're in school. But then when you graduate, then it changes. Mm -hmm. And that disruption is what causes people to default. Yeah. Well, look at, you know, look at the, the, the worst time to go to school in the last couple of decades. Okay. It was like 2005. Yeah. Worst time. Right. Because you go in, the economy is amazing. Okay. Yeah. You come out. And the economy is the worst it's been since the Great Depression, right? Yeah. And so you you really look at again student loans. That's that's one thing is the market that exists. Okay, is you know it basically is how you're going to pay back your student loans. But you don't know what that is four years down the road. Yeah. Right. Other thing is you look at really the student loan debacle, and that's a topic for another day, and we've discussed it before. Yep. Right. But the student loan bubble is it makes college it creates a price for college. Yeah. Okay. Because. Uh, you look at the bonds that are created for for uh, for for uh, different projects that universities put on, like the University yeah. of Utah, right? Recently did this huge bond, right, for a new law building, right? And they do a bond for a new stadium. Not I'm not talking about the U, but just in general, yeah. they do a bond for a new athletic field or a student center or whatever, right? Those yeah. bonds all have a coupon rate. They all have an interest rate associated with it, right? And they're going to raise more money if the interest rate is lower. If yeah. it's higher, then they're not. Right. And then you look at, again, the economy and what fuels 
universities, it's in its revenue, yeah. right? And if there's less people going to school, they have less revenue. Therefore, they're not going to be able to pay their bond back. Yeah. So again, everything and everything even, has correlation. And often with that, those cheap bond rates, they may do things that economically don't make sense. So you say we really don't need a new building or new stadium or new something, but money's cheap, so we'll go do it. We'll go do it, and then that bond is a long term. They're not going to pay it off in five years, yep. so they make a decision now, and then they realize you know ten, fifteen, twenty years. Yep. You see this with like rec centers in mm-hmm. in, in cities. No, it, they'll build a huge rec center, and it's nice and looks really good the first couple of years, but then it gets run down, and when it's ten, fifteen years old, it looks trashy. Yep. And but they still owe for another fifteen years on it. Yep. No, there was a there's a documentary I saw called The Ivory Tower, and it talks a lot about the just you know higher education in general. Yeah. And there was a university that was basically they the university is funded by uh, by a trust that owns the real estate underneath the Empire State Building, and the objective of the university was to uh, be funded by the lease the lease income uh, with this insanely valuable land. Mm. Okay. But the university went out and got this like 20, you know, $20 million loan to build this new like center and started to uh, get to the point where it was not profitable and they started to incorporate tuition. So it was a free university, absolutely free. Right. So anyway, that's another subject. But again, this is, this is what happens, right? When you have low interest rates, uh, you have what's called malinvestment or malspending. Right. And that is, it's basically spending that is happening that shouldn't happen, but because of certain factors, it creates justification for the spending. Yeah. So anyway, all of these all of these issues of, of affect people in one to one degree or another. So looking at what's what she is going to say, let's maybe you know get into some conjecture about uh, what uh, what's going to happen. Just given where we're at with you know the presidential cycle, yeah. with the economy and and so forth. What do you? Uh, what's your prediction? I don't see oh, her changing anything. Do you? <laughs> I don't either. No. Yeah, I mean because yeah. what you just said, disruption. So the last thing they want to do is cause something that's going to mess up the economy even further nope yeah Yeah. it's it's going to be interesting because there's so much there's so much press about it now and they've created this expectation that you know because they dropped interest rates so low they're going to try to get them back up to you know two two percent right and they've only made one hike in the last i think like uh five five six years and it's to a it's by a quarter a quarter percent looking at how the market's priced right now it basically says that there's a 20 percent chance that they're going to increase interest rates yeah okay so what's gonna happen to the market if uh, interest rates do go up Market's going to dive. They yeah. say probably anywhere from you know thirty thirty percent ish is the top. So anyway, yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's amazing how they price those decisions just based on people speculating on yeah. um, commentary from Jackson Hole or commentary that you know has been made previously. But yeah, that, looking that's a good point though. I think if I could speak to three you know whatever what's the population of the U.S. three hundred fifty million. million. Yeah. If I could speak to every person in the U.S. at once, that would probably be the the message I would deliver is. Let's not look short term. I think we make all these like six month decisions versus 10, five, 10 you know, year decisions. Mm-hmm. So we always put it off and that's why we're in the trouble we're in. Yep. We're raising these things may cause a short term disruption, but long term it would be beneficial. Yeah. And so, you know, we've kind of, but the reason they don't do it is because if they raise it, the markets get crazy. Then we're calling our senators and we're yelling at them. And then they they put pressure put, on the Fed and it goes all and through it goes all the way through. And so the pressure the we put and that's why I said, if I wish I could talk to every single person because it takes us as a collective body expressing, saying, do what's right for the long term, not for the next three months. Yep. And that's the and that's the nature of just the, the markets in general. Everything yep. is priced on a short term cycle. And it makes it impossible for companies to make longer long-term decisions. Yeah. But anyway, that's another another topic. The idea, though, is 
there's so there's so much that's going to come from this, but I think right now the writing's on the wall, which is they don't want to create disruption associated with the uh, with the election. Yeah. Okay. With the end of Obama's term, you don't want to go out with a market crash. Yeah. Because okay? obviously that's the voice in her ear. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, she's they, not going to do anything. As much that's as we want to say that they're independent, as much as they say they're independent, they're not. They're not. Yeah. So and again, and say it would be the same thing. You know, when any Bush other is president. Leaving. I mean, it, or, I mean, whatever offices you know whatever party's holding office yep. that yeah it's always going to go in favor of that okay so looking at what's going to happen let's let's uh let's also talk about maybe just some things to understand based on it happening now but also there's another meeting in december and after that we're going to know who the new you know president's yep. going to be but looking at just these meetings and the nature of our us monetary policy what are what should people what should people do and i know that we've had that conversation and again it's I think it's it's going to be different specifically for everyone, but generally, I, in my opinion, it's it's the same thing. So let's kind of talk let's talk through that because okay. looking at it, this is hopefully by now you guys see that you know really the the Federal Reserve is trying to create just these unrealistic uh, unrealistic things in the economy, yeah. unrealistic growth, unrealistic behavior, and we've seen it for for years, and nothing that they're doing is working. They've tried QE1 and QE2 and QE3 and Operation Twist and all these different things to try to do to incite the same behavior. But it hasn't it hasn't worked, yeah. right? Because they're they're looking at the wrong behavior. Yeah. So how it's going to get priced out? It has to be some. There has to be some chaos, okay? But instead of looking at how, when, uh, I think we've talked about why, but how and when it's hard. But I think everybody generally can start to prepare in certain ways, depending on what occurs in in the economy in general. Yeah, and I don't know if this is exactly kind of where you want to take it, but I think it's a good point. We can come back if not, but. With what we teach here with the perpetual wealth strategy, does that decision have any impact on that strategy for our clients? Uh, no. That, that's no. the cool part. Yeah. Well, is what we teach is, is blanketed away yeah. from that. Markets could go crazy. Yeah. And they, they could do that in public. You know, I mean, the, there's so much peace of mind for me educating my clients and getting them in a spot that they don't have to sit up you know, wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I, I actually let me retract my statement. So okay. I, I would say that it does affect it, okay? Because uh, if you go back to like the early '80s in the insurance industry, people, you know, when when interest rates spiked to like 10, 15 percent, yep. right? People would, you know, cancel cancel policies and put it into, uh, you know, put it into a CD or a yep. savings account. But I think that was a time period where there wasn't as much communication as there is now. So it no. would be different. At the same time, insurance companies are affected, right? Because, uh, you know, looking at you know, markets like the bond market. I mean, that's yeah. they they buy a lot of corporate corporate bonds. I guess what and, I and so I think, but as far as like the actual products that are set up, they're they're yeah. not. But I think it's still important because a lot of our clients have these questions. Yeah. Right. But I think insurance companies, if you look at you know as an example, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, they made some of the best money in in decades. Yeah. Okay? Because they they thrived off of being able to have liquidity and make investments. Okay, when people were being irrational, when they were selling, when they really should be buying, yeah, and that's where insurance companies cl- cleaned up. They cleaned up on real estate. They cleaned up on some incredible, you know, bond yields. Yeah, uh, but it was all because there was some market correction. So I would say that there's kind of like this uh, inverse, right, behavior of an insurance company. No, it's a good and point. like a mutual fund or a, another investment fund or a real estate fund. I think there's some opposite opposite behavior there. So really, if there is chaos, that's all. All that is is good for the insurance yeah. company, but. And the they're not the going to pro- wake up and their policy have a different value than they did. No, yeah. and that's what your point was, yeah. which is you're not going to wake up one morning and suddenly your you know your your policy is obsolete, 
right? Or your cash value is obsolete, your dividends yep. are obsolete. No, they. It's just the the companies themselves that guarantee them. Okay, there's some changes there, yep. but they've had those changes for you know 150 years. They know what yep. they do. Okay, hopefully, our clients too, like you mentioned with the 80s. If we get into those same rate environments, let's say 15 years down the road. They've had the experience. That's what we teach. It's not a product. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's yep. a way of being. Yep. And they can see the certainty now. So when they get in there, dividends will also be better than they are now, which was mm-hmm. good news. Yep. But they won't have that carrot of, oh, if I jump ship and go over there, mm-hmm. they'll have the long perspective of yep. this works in each environment and it works really well. And where you were going with it is, again, this is kind of the general things that we believe and we do and we've talked about forever, which is you know when you do have money in speculative type of investments in the market, Okay, or even in real estate to an extent. Okay, you are are subject to the winds of the economy. Yeah. Okay, and and right now there's I mean there's trillions. Okay, in in mutual funds, there's trillions in the market that's trading every day, and all of it's affected by stuff like this. Okay? Yeah. Or black swans, right? That really say, wow, it didn't work. Unload. Right. Yeah. And those events happen very quickly. I mean, if you look at 2008, all that happened in like a, a year. It was crazy just how yeah. quickly it went down. Uh, but looking at again, looking at our purpose, the, the the general feeling that we've always come to is there's a few assets that you have that will will not fail. Okay, yeah. the first one is is you. Okay, and that is you know basically you're the one that creates money. You're a printing press. Yeah. Okay, and it doesn't matter if the money it doesn't matter what it's called. It could be called a dollar. It could be called a yen or a, you know what it whatever it doesn't matter. Okay, money is exchanged for value. If you figure out how to create value, right, then yeah. you, right, are always, you know, that that is an asset that will not lose. Yeah. Okay. The second thing is, you know, as far as you know, the U.S. is concerned, I mean, you have you have what we teach, which are these insurance policies, which are they a hundred percent bulletproof? I don't think anything is. No. But if you look at you know the the look at history, nothing's ever failed. Yeah. So that's another you know. Keeping liquidity there, and as you and said, and if it failed, there'd be a lot of things that failed first. That's true. And if you combine those first two assets, yeah. okay, that is basically when the chaos ensues. You have the wherewithal, your anxiety level is less, and you can operate how the insurance companies operate, which yeah. is they look at those uh, those times as huge opportunities because you have capital. Exactly. And right now, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of pressure on an outcome that is going to cause insanely irrational behavior. And I think that is something a lot of people are, not a lot, some people are anticipating, but others are completely oblivious to. And again, yeah. it's it's because they, they, they see this arm's length between who they are, what they do, their employment, their community, uh, and monetary policy. There's, yeah. this, there's this gap or void there. And because of the lack of knowledge, they don't understand that when they wind, you know, they, they wake up one morning and they're, they don't have a job or they wake up one morning and their house is now half the value or they wake yeah. up one morning and their pension that they were going to rely on for the rest of their life is bankrupt or Social Security. You know, they said they were going to promise, you know, a thousand bucks a month, but, but now it's five hundred dollars a month. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, people wake up and don't realize that, you know, some of the things that they could have been aware of now. Yeah. Right. Uh, would have allowed them to prepare for those times. But yet they don't learn until it's too late. And they blame the, the source closest to them. They blame their employer. They, they blame. Yep. Yeah, and they don't blame the person on top of their employer that put the pressure on that caused. For the sure, event. and it's a waterfall effect, yep. dude. It's like okay, you have the waterfall, which is it fills from one, you know, to the next little pool, then that yep. pool to the next pool, and that. To, but by the time it reaches, you know, the person at the bottom, which is typically the American public, who ends up, you know, fitting the bill for everything. Yep. Okay, they can't see the first waterfall. All they can sure. see is like you said, the, the the one that's closest to them. Plus, it's not immediate. It's not like if she changed, if she did something crazy drastic. 
and it caused your employer to go out of business in two years because they're not going to go out of business the next day. So you're not going to see it, but you're going to realize, you know, the employers are going to try to stay in business as long as possible, but eventually it may weed them out. And yeah. And again, it's one of those, you know, I I look at it, we live in an amazing time because we have access to so much information, right? And it's easy to go and and learn about these things. And I think they affect everybody. Everyone should know kind of the basic, the basic objective of U.S. monetary policy, which in a sense is kind of like the world policy. And then you go and you look at the different sides of the coin, okay, seeing one perspective, right? Uh, which you know could be like the Mises Institute or or, or fee, uh, but then you can also see like the other side, which is Paul Krugman, right? Yep. Who's a very you know uh, uh, aggregate demand type of guy, and and so you can start to see both and see which ones right, which ones wrong, and come to your yep. own conclusion. Okay, but then hopefully that knowledge and education will allow you to make the best decisions, best decisions possible. And these days, like I said, there's so much information out there, uh, but yet really understanding the consequences associated with not knowing, I would say is very important because I don't know if anyone's going to wake up one morning and say, oh, maybe I should go study the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Has to, there, has to be, <laughs> there has to be kind of like a motivation to do it. It's true. And the motivation of really something is, is, something's br- a br- is, uh, is brewing right now. Something is brewing yeah. in the economy, brewing in society on so many different fronts, right? Whether it's technology, whether it's monetary policy, whether it's international relations, okay. Look at Brexit. Look at you know Great Britain yeah. removing themselves from uh, you know European Union. You look at you know other countries that may do that. You look at what Russia is doing. There's so many different. There's so much interaction, so much communication between all of these different countries and societies and cultures yeah. that it's it's fascinating to wit to witness that. Um, but I think that the future holds anything but consistency. Yeah. I think the future is going to be uh, really interesting because of how technology is evolving, because of how societies are evolving. Uh, and that's where it's like, that, those are all the reasons to listen to you know those first two things we said about assets. You're your greatest asset. Yeah. The next greatest asset is something that you know you can't you can't lose. Yeah. Okay. And and I think that if if people don't wake up to that, it's going to be uh, they're going to learn they're going to learn the lesson. Yeah. It's just going to be a little bit uh, a little bit too late. And as no and like you said, if they with the added knowledge, you know the, the term insurance companies use is human life value. Mm-hmm. The more you know, the more you're worth. Mm-hmm. And so if you study this, like you said, no one wakes up to study it. But if you do study it, for one, it's good for you. It's good for society. You're going to be less um, susceptible to people misleading you or misguiding you. But also, like you said, with cleaning up in an opportunity, when you see what the Fed does, you'll know what that will, what impact will that have on your portfolio? What decisions could you make? How can you take advantage of that? How can you not let fear make your decision, but information make that decision? And there's a lot of opportunity for you as well, just monetarily. To understand it. One of the things you said I think was was interesting, which is, you know, once once it happens, okay, and you studied both sides, you're gonna know which one, you know, had some things right, which one had some things wrong. Okay. And they're I would say the people that really got it, that those are ones you can start to listen to and see what yeah. they're doing and what else they're saying. Right. Because that's another signal. But you know, looking at what goes on behind the, you know, the curtain of uh, of Jackson Hole and look at what the bankers from the world are saying, the politicians of the world are saying. I don't know. I mean, you, I, I, you can speculate on it. You can look at what the decision that's going to be made. But I think right now the markets are pricing it, so it looks like there's not going to be a hike. But yeah. the reason behind it, right, is really not necessarily a pressure of this of the strategy not working, but it's not to cause disruption and chaos yeah. during the time period that we're at with elections and a, a new presidential cycle. So yep. it'll be interesting, man. I mean, it's it's just a, it's one of those things where. You know, there's always opportunity, and uh, there's always good that really comes from chaos and disruption. But right now, I just think that it's uh, we are we're 
the black swan i don't think it has to be that big <laughs> no i agree <laughs> all right do you have any any final comments before we uh we cut this one and hopefully um, uh, no just i mean i hope this was interesting enough at least for people to kind of pique their interest and learn a little bit more about it because i think the more people know the more we can start you know we the people we can take control over you know kind of setting the stage of what's being talked about so as long as we're ignorant then they set the stage of what's being talked about and not us so what are you like what are some books that you that you kind of just look at as some things understand monetary policy thing how to understand you know why economies are the way that they are and how they operate and like what are some books that come to mind man that's a good one um so privatized banking, you're talking about yep, that one that, before. So Carlos Lara and Bob Murphy. Yeah, I, I expressed that before. Yeah, that I like it because it talks about you know a lot with, with what we teach, but how that's good for you, but also good if everyone starts to implement it. It really could be a profound benefit to society because mm-hmm. it it takes the pressure off of these things. Yep. So we so talked about one. that before. So how privatized banking really works by yep. uh, Bob Murphy and, and Carlos Lara. Uh, another one too, which I mean Peter Peter Schiff has this. It's kind of like he. Because I've I've I know Peter and he's a, he's such a smart smart guy and he's very just you know just rock sol- rock solid on how he thinks things should yep. be and how they are and and really you know he's he's a very intelligent individual but he wrote a book called uh, why economy why an economy grows and why it crashes and I think that book really just it it it's very easy to understand it's on you know it's as an audio book but it shows just you know the the nature of economies uh, specifically you know free free market economies and how they operate yeah. and then what happens to cause crashes which really is all about government uh, government inter- intervention whether it's stimulating yeah. this or stimulating that so anyway those are those are a good one too. Um, let's see other other books. I think would be important. Um, I think just the you know fee and the Mises Institute is important. Yeah. But I also think Paul Krugman. You know, if you go read his, there's read a lot of articles columns. and yeah, columns and blogs and stuff. Yep. So read. I read him because he is the, on the other side of the fence. Okay. Really, to understand one perspective, uh, I think you have to have the opposing opinion to really, yep. really, truly value what it is and why it's different. Yeah. Uh, and then Bob Murphy and. Um, and uh, uh, what's his name? They have a, uh, what's called the Contra Krugman podcast. And uh, so it's the Contra Krugman podcast basically goes through the column that Paul Krugman does. And it's just a, I don't know, it's awesome to see their, uh, their, their commentary. So that's another, another good one. Good. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up for the week. But, uh, but thanks, for, thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening. And we'll put a, a link to the books that we've mentioned on the, on the show notes. So make sure you check good. those out at uh, thewealthstandard.com. All right, everyone, that's it for this week. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.